What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there. My name is Ricky Smith, and I'm the founder of Random Acts of Kindness Everywhere. A nonprofit that simply does exactly what it says. Promote kindness everywhere. We know the world is crazy right now. If you are searching for a podcast that has a deeper conversation about race, my co-host Angel Gray and I will be discussing everything going on right now on our podcast, Random Acts of Podcast on Blue Wire Podcast Network. To find out more, go to rakenow.org. Enjoy the show. It's Chrisomania, brother. That's a great question. Look at you, man. Oh, That's a powerful question. <laughs> Woo! This is the Chris Van Vliet Show. Chris Van Vliet Show. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van Vliet. Here we go. And welcome back to another audio adventure on the Chris Van Vliet Show. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online. And a huge thank you to you for being here right now. And just, just for being with us, a lot of you. Since day one of the podcast, we officially turn one year old in two weeks on June 24th. And I'd say as a whole, it's it's been a pretty solid first year. It's uh, It's been good, but we are just getting started, both with the podcast and the YouTube channel. And I mean, we're on episode, what is this? This is episode 95 of the podcast. Shows like Talk is Jericho, for example, I mean, he's on episode 676, so that means we've got lots and lots of room to grow, almost 600 more episodes to grow. And this conversation with Greg Hamilton is one that means so much to me. First of all, Greg lives in Cincinnati, which is where I live right now. And because of that, because of the fact that we live in the same city, this is the first in-person interview that I've done in almost three months because of everything that's been going on in the world with the pandemic and the quarantine. And as much as I've enjoyed the accessibility of being able to do these remote interviews, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, it was so nice to be able to sit down face to face with someone and have an in-person chat like this one in Greg's beautiful downtown loft. And I know these interviews in person are one of the things that I love about the podcast. I know that it's something that you definitely love about the podcast. I see that on Twitter and I see that in the Apple podcast reviews all the time. I just think you get a different level of comfort and conversation just flows so much better. So I'm glad that you guys enjoy these as much as I do. And speaking of reviews, speaking of these Apple podcast reviews, even though we hit the goal of a thousand reviews last week, Man, we're going to keep reading one on every single show because you're the most important part of the show. So thank you for being here. Whether you leave a review or not, just thank you for being part of this. As we're, you know, we're just getting started. First year in, just getting started here. So thanks to Isaiah Asbury88, Isaiah Asbury88 for this review here. And the title, I love this title. Couldn't be happier to see such an accomplishment early on like a thousand five-star reviews. Great job, Chris. 
From the awesome guests to the interview style, allowing every guest to come on and tell their stories without a filter. Chris brings out stories from his guests in a way that reminds me of old school Howard Stern segments. Congrats on a thousand and keep up the amazing work. Well, thank you for that, Isaiah. Howard Stern is the goat of all interviewing. He's like the godfather of radio. Um, so I, I don't <laughs> I don't think that comparison is very fair, but I appreciate that. That's that's super kind of you to say. So please keep those reviews coming in. Keep those screenshots of you listening to the show coming in. Tag me for this episode. Also tag Greg. He's at Greg Hamilton WWE. I've been trying to get him to be more active on social media. So hopefully you tagging him in these pictures are going to make him see that, oh man, I should be more active on there. Hopefully it lights this fire underneath him. So Greg and I, by the way, have very similar backgrounds in local news, also working as a host and working as a ring announcer. I've been working as a ring announcer for several different independent companies. Uh, currently, right now, I work for Blueprint Pro Wrestling in Deerfield Beach, Florida. So to be able to hear Greg's story is amazing because I, I don't think a lot of people really know where Greg came from. This is, I mean, this is really the first long form interview that he's done. So he talks to me about his first wrestling memories, how he was working at Universal Orlando before he got the audition with WWE. He was he was the host of American Idol Live, also at uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios. He was like the Ryan Seacrest when you went there. In, I mean, he tells the story. You'll hear it. It's, it's a great story. Uh, speaking of Universal Orlando, that's where he met fellow ring announcer Mike Rome. And they've been friends since like 2010. He tells me why he went with the name Greg Hamilton, because his real name's actually Greg Hudson. We get into his famous introductions for Shinsuke Nagama and AJ Styles. As I say those, you know, you know those announcements when I say them. And also, of course, uh, the real story, the true story about what happened um, when he came up with the best in the world intro for Shane McMahon. It's actually Road Dog that helped him kind of come up with that. In fact, he did a little best in the world intro for me that you can see on my Instagram or Twitter. Oh, so good. So good. He also tells some great stories about the goat himself, Howard Finkel. And we get into Greg's love for cooking. And oh man, he is an incredible chef. So I know you're going to love this one. Please give it up for Greg Hamilton. Look at this beautiful fireside chat we have going on here. <laughs> it is, yeah. Oh, it's nice to be able to talk to a, a person in person. How long has it been for you since you've actually sat down like this and had an interview? Uh, since March. Yeah, so right before you know the pandemic happened. So, wow. And it, this... ju it just so happens that you and I live in the same city. It's true. We're in Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah. I feel like this is an exclusive right now. Your first in-person interview. Thank this you for is. having me, man. Seriously. Well, come on. Thank you for inviting me into your home. And anyone who might have watched your WWE Eats video on the WWE YouTube channel, they might recognize this spot here. Yeah, this is this is uh, this is uh, the hub. This is you know the lab, if you will, the Hamilton Hideaway where we do all the cooking, and this is sort of the backdrop for it. Uh, and it's funny because uh, you know I love to cook and, and oh, yeah. I put these videos up, but I actually get more comments or as many comments uh, about my loft than I do the food. So I, as soon as I saw it, <laughs> as soon as I saw your video, I said. Hold on a second. You live there? Like, yeah. It looks like we're in like some industrial like kitchen or some beautiful like downtown steakhouse or something like that. Just just my loft, man. It's where I 
lay my weary head at night. That's it. That's all this is. For like one night a week, right? Yeah, exactly. Although that's different now. You're not on the road nearly as much. It's very different. And I think what's the the craziest thing about that is that we love to travel and it's in your blood after a while. And it used to be where when I'm home for two, three, four days at a time, I would like get cabin fever and yeah. I'd be like, oh my gosh, I need to just drive somewhere or go do something. And now that is completely flipped on its head, right? Um, now we're in Orlando for a few days and we're home for you know a week or so. And it's been different, but I've actually really learned to embrace it and enjoy it. Well, you you went from a point being uh, of like, okay, where are we traveling to this week? or And where are we going to be next week? To like, now you know every single week, Yeah, you're in Orlando. In Orlando. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned that because that does happen where <laughs> you'll just open up your app and say, let's, you just follow the ticket on the app and you go to that plane in that city. You don't even know what city, city, city it is half the time. Wow. Um, so it's very different, yeah. So what was your routine when you went to a new city, wherever that was? It was land in the city, I imagine, get a rental car, get, yeah. how, did it, how did it work for you? So uh, if we had shows, let's say Thursday was a live event, Friday TV, Saturday, Sunday live events, um, I usually fly out the day before. So I'd fly out on Wednesday afternoon, depending on what city it is. Maybe there's a nice restaurant I want to go to there or something. Always comes back to the food. It does. So yeah, fly in Wednesday, get the rental car, go to the hotel, check into the hotel. Um, The next day, see the town, hit the gym, go to the arena, do the show, then drive to the next city for SmackDown on Friday. And same thing Saturday, Sunday, just get in the car and go and, and drive all night till two in the morning. And I like that you skim past the like, get a rental car, get a hotel like that. That takes a big chunk of time. I, I know that it takes a big chunk of time. Thank you for saying that. Because it really does. A lot of people think that it, it's just all glamorous. It's like, no, sometimes it, it takes a while at the rental car place and checking into the hotel. And and, and not to mention, if you're connecting on flights, it's, it's a day. That's a full day. Of course. Of flight connections. But you, again, you get used to it and you learn to enjoy it. And there are little things at different airports that you, you realize you really enjoy and uh, you get used to it. What, what are the cities in America that you like traveling to the most? Love going to San Francisco. It's just beautiful out there. Um, let's see. What else in the United States? You've probably been to every state, right? Except Alaska. So far. The one that yeah. has eluded me. And I'm thinking with some time off here in the summer. I might just use my points and go just to say my 50th state. Oh, man. Um, Although, do do you want to be able to say I've announced in all 50 states? Not until you just said that. Now I do. (laughs) Man. Um, Wow. That's a a great call. I guess you could go out there with a microphone. You could announce for anyone. I'll record it. Yeah. I'll 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 record a cameo out there so that I can say I eventually did it. You could announce the whales as you know. (laughs) Yeah. Here he is swimming into the bay. (laughs) The blue whale. Weighing in at two tons. (laughs) Yeah. I might have to. It's gotten a little ridiculous here. That's all right. Um, But yeah, San Francisco, the Pacific Northwest. I really like Seattle. Vancouver's really cool. Uh, Sleeper city portland maine oh wow absolutely love portland maine why why portland maine it's beautiful again we're gonna get back to the food (laughs) um let's know it's a small town so to speak Uh, i think i don't know i'd be guessing maybe you know sixty thousand, hundred thousand people but the restaurants there are unbelievable and and it's 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 widely recognized like uh james beard foundation uh, has recognized a lot of restaurants there uh, I just—it's a sleeper city, man. I'm telling you. Go in the spring, the summer, and the fall. They do uh, harvest on the harbor, which is a big food festival right there in the harbor in, in Portland. Uh, so Portland, Maine, sleeper town. Have you always been a food person, a foodie? Kind of, like yeah. Your whole life, even as a kid. Yeah, I, I guess so. Uh, my dad, growing up, worked for a food distribution company, 
And so every you know big holiday, we would have just a spread of prime rib and shrimp cocktail, and he makes his own cocktail sauce. And I just loved it, and I would help out in the kitchen. And uh, here's a true story, too. This is so embarrassing. When I was a teenager, I thought I wanted to be a chef when I grew up. And I'll never forget, I was at my dad's house in the kitchen. Again, let me remind you, a teenager, 14, 15, 16 years old. Okay. And I said, Dad, you know, I think I might want to go to culinary school and be a chef. And he, this, is, this is why I think I didn't do it. And think of this as the mentality of a 15, 16-year-old. He turns to me and says, well, you realize if you do that, you're going to be working every single weekend because that's when everybody goes out. As a teenager, your weekends are your life. Uh, yeah. So I'm like, well, not being a chef then. <laughs> So what did you want to be if you weren't going to be a chef? I've always wanted to be a host. Well, you're doing it. Even in high school, like I hosted like the pep assemblies that we had and, and everything. I, I, that's just all I ever wanted to do. Me too. Our yeah. path is actually very similar in that way. Like I got started in local news. You were started, well, not first in local news. Actually, your story is incredible. It started as you being a cruise director. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah, so. I know. I think, well, I think the thing is... Obviously, you're reaching a much bigger audience now than you ever were with anything you did before. Right. Working right. for the WWE. But before that, you had so many other jobs. Actually, you know, so cruise directors where it began? Yeah. Yeah. So at, uh, at 21, I was here in Ohio and I just decided I wanted to travel. I always had the travel bug. I got that from my mom for sure. Yeah. And um, I said, you know what? I think it'd be cool to work on a cruise ship. So I just started sending out resumes to different cruise companies. That's why wow. I never, never even seen a cruise uh, a cruise ship at that point in my You'd life. You've never been on a cruise. Never been on a cruise. Never seen one. Just it sounded cool. I was twenty one. So uh, started submitting submitting resumes to different companies. Got a call back from from Carnival. Uh, did a couple phone interviews and then went down there for an interview. And then started as a social host at twenty one, just doing like bingos, activities, karaoke's. And by the time I was twenty four, just three years later, I'd been promoted to cruise director. Where I was wow. in charge of the entire entertainment department, uh, hosting all the major shows, uh, running the running everything in entertainment really on board the ship. And for anybody who's ever been on a cruise, you know that your cruise director is usually not twenty four years old, right? Well, yeah. and I'll explain that too. Uh, yes, I was passionate about it, but at that time, Carnival was building so many ships that they had to start just promoting people. I was. Uh, again, luckily, just right place, right time, and uh, you know, certain hotel directors or whatever saw the work that I did and liked me, and, and said, "Hey, this, give this guy a shot," uh, and it just worked out, man. So, what cruise ships were you on? Because I'm sure there's going to be people watching this, listening to this, going, "No way, I yeah. went on that cruise." <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was on. Oh my gosh, years and years ago, though. Like, um, these are all for Carnival, the Holiday, uh, the Sensation, the Fascination, the Pride. Uh, the Triumph, I was a cruise director on. The Destiny, I was a cruise director on. Uh, all over the place. I mean, wow. different home ports. Yeah. So, been out of ships out of Miami, out of Los Angeles. I was. I, had, I did two contracts on a ship out of San Juan, Puerto Rico. Uh, so, yeah, two, like, you know, six-month contracts there. So, if someone came to you at that time and said, all right, Greg, we're going to go on a seven-day cruise with the family, where should we go? Seven days, I'd go Southern Caribbean, man. Okay. Southern Caribbean, you know, uh, like Aruba. Uh, I think they hit uh, Curacao, maybe Martinique is a really cool island a lot of people don't know about. So yeah, Southern Caribbean if you got seven days. So you being a cruise director and working on the cruise ships, when you eventually, many, many years later, ended up signing with WWE, you're like, oh, I heard this travel schedule was difficult. Well, I used to work six, <laughs> six and a half days a week or whatever you did on the cruise ship. That, that, it was that often, right? Yeah, I mean, on a ship, yeah, you work anywhere from four to six months at a time 
uh, on oh, board. You don't have any time off? No. Oh, then never mind. I'm no, sorry. no. Wow. But but it, 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 but here's the thing though. Once you're on board, you're on board that ship for four to six months, right? So. You know, it's not like WWE where we're like constantly on airplanes and rental cars and hotels yeah. and, and things like that. You, you know, you're set on board for those six months, but you're working every single day, literally. Wow. So let's so let's follow this journey. So okay. you're on the cruise ship, you're working for Carnival. Then what happens from there? <laughs> so I'm not making any, any of this up. I want you to know. I promise you this is all true. Uh, so then I met a producer from CBS. On the cruise ship? On the cruise ship. They were there filming a, a, a tour package, like a video package for their morning show, uh, just about cruising and, and vacations. And the executive producer just came to one of my shows in the lounge. And then afterwards, uh, he said, hey, man, have you ever done television before? And I was like, no. He goes, you should, man. You should try it. He goes, I'll tell you what. If you're ever in San Antonio, just come be a guest morning show host on our show. Be a guest host one day. Yeah. Um, and I said, okay, sure. So a month later, my contract ended uh, on that ship. Mm -hmm. So I had a month or two off. Called him up, said, hey, Luis, if you're serious, I'll come to San Antonio for... He goes, yeah, come on up, man. So I went, I guest hosted the morning show for a day called Great Day SA on Ken's 5, CBS, San Antonio. It went really well. Wow. And then he called me a month after that and said, hey, man, so our normal male personality, Glenn, is leaving. Do you want to come audition to be the, the male host of the show? Wow. And I did. And I got it. And um, to this day, uh, Luis Munoz is his name. He remains a very, very close friend, one of my best friends, and more importantly, like my mentor when it comes to TV. So you picked up your life, moved it from Ohio, I guess, was still home at the time? Yeah, home base. Because you were you know, traveling all around, but yeah. home base, picked up, moved to San Antonio for this job. Yeah. I love it. Why not? Well, I, I've done a very similar thing. Yeah, you, you've been all over career. the place, right? Well, I, you know, that's why I can completely relate to this. Yeah. So you go from the cruise ship life of being on the road, being on the water yeah. for four to six months months at a time to now you've got a home base in Texas. Yeah. And how long are you on this, on this station in San Antonio? I was there for almost two years um, because the goal from there was then to get signed with an agency in Los Angeles and then sort of try to make that jump, uh, which, which I did. You and I had the same agent uh, at right. one point. We talked about That's that. That's just crazy. Um, without ever knowing that, without ever knowing you know you. Yeah, that just came up in our conversation once. Like, oh yeah, who are you signed with? I was. Oh really? Yeah. With this agent? Yeah, yeah me too. So it was wild. so. It was nuts. Now here we are yeah. in a loft in Cincinnati. <laughs> um, so, so you. So then you picked up and moved to L.A. Moved to L.A. Uh, signed with an agency there. That, uh, LA, it's a like tough place. 26-ish at this point? Yeah, at that point, uh, 26, 20, 27. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And then you're in LA just gigging it? Like yeah, gigging it, man. Doing what I can. Hosted a couple things out there. Nothing big or major. Did an awesome pilot called Celebrity Eats. Uh, Art Shudabala, shout out to you, my bud. Um, had a lot of fun, but but nothing ever concrete. Right. And then uh, that's when I did get an opportunity and I moved to Orlando. Right which was um, the American Idol experience. Wait, wait, and you were like the Ryan Seacrest if you were within the park. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So uh, Reader's Digest version, the American Idol experience, <laughs> it was awesome if you look it up. We were directly affiliated with Fremantle Media and with the show, with American Idol. People would come audition for our producers and then hopefully make a preliminary show. If they win their preliminary show, go to the finale show. Whenever the finale show gets a dream ticket to go to the front of the line at any American Idol audition in the country. Wow. And this is all within Hollywood Studios, right? Yes. Within, you know, the Disney, Disney yes, World. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and you got to realize this is at a time where, you know, American Idol is at its peak. 
So people right before the summer auditions of Idol would come flocking to our show to try to win a dream ticket. And over the years, we had so many people make the top five, the top 10 that started on our show. So it was really cool and gratifying to host these shows and see these winners and in your mind think, man, I could see them making the show. And then that next season, you look and there they are in the top 10. You're like, we had a hand in picking that person. Yeah. It was really cool. It was, it was a really neat chapter, Matt. So did you have the this is, is the American, American Idol. Idol. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what I did. I, yeah, I mean, and I would like fake people out at the end and everything when I was reading the results. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I did, I did the whole Seacrest bit. Seacrest is the best at that, but when you're yeah. watching it, also, you know, sub, you know the, the worst at that because it's like, we'll tell you who the finalist is <laughs> after the, the break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does that. So, yeah, I would do stuff like that. I would, I would you know, just little jokes. And then, or uh, let's say you were one of the finalists or something like, Chris, open the envelope. You are not going oh! to be disappointed because you're in the final two. Like stuff like that. Yeah, man. That's like some Maury Povich stuff there. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. You are the father. Yes. Oh. Yes. So, so I did that, man. And it, that led to you meeting Mike Rome? So yeah, so that's the thing. Mike Rome and I have known each other since like 2010, man. We've been friends for a long time. Yeah. Um, and he and I just really hit it off there, became really good buds. Wait, wasn't um, he working on the Universal side of things? He did both. Oh, he, I didn't he, know that was possible. Yeah, he did both. He worked at Universal. He did a ton of stuff at Universal and then also uh, did some stuff at Hollywood Studios. He was a part of American Idol as well. Wow. Um, so, yeah, he and I go way back, man. Wow. Yeah. And now, now look at you guys. I know. It's great. It, and it, what's so fun is we know, obviously, a lot of the same people in Orlando. And so just to see both of us make this journey into WWE is just... Yeah. It's really cool because a lot of people don't realize we've been friends for so long. Yeah. So for us, for he and I, it's really cool and special knowing where we were before this. So was the plan to do American Idol for as long as you could do? Like that was probably a pretty fun gig. It was great, man. But it was also probably seasonal, right? Um, no. no, it was year round. It was year round? That's amazing. It was year round, but it was really busy at different times. Sure. So okay. how long were you doing it for? Oh my gosh, I did that almost five years. Wow. Yeah. It's Every great, great day? gig. Uh, no, I would do about five days a week. Wow. But it, but it was great. I mean, the shows, you know, 20 minutes long. It's we do, you know, multiple shows a day yeah. and, and then just had a green room in the back hanging out. I mean, it was great. And the people that I worked with were awesome. I worked with some really fun, cool people. Well, I feel like if you got the job in San Antonio because someone saw you on the cruise ship, saw how talented and passionate you were. That's totally possible to happen when you're working in Disney World in front of tourists from all over the world, people from all over the country. Yeah. Did you get like approached with like, Greg, you're very good. Kind you of. Should. Yeah. Because I, I did do some stuff with um, Good Day Orlando on Fox down there too. I did some like entertainment reporting stuff with them. Yeah. Uh, but that that's oddly enough not how I got into WWE. How'd you get into WWE? This is another story similar to the cruise ship story, <laughs> to be honest with you. So... Idol was coming to an end. The show was, was starting to decline. It was gonna. Uh, it was going on its last season, I believe. Uh, then on Fox, yeah. at the time. Uh, so at that point, I'm like calling my former agent that you and I shared, yeah. not to be named. Um, and I'm like, I got to get out of here. Some, we got to do something here. This is the ship is sinking, and yeah. it, it was sinking fast. So right after the show ended, um, a friend of mine who was an audio tech, uh, Ronaldo. Shout out to Ronaldo. A lot of shout outs. I like it. I'm, a lot of yeah. people helped me out along the way, man. I didn't get here by myself. You can't do it on your own. Yeah. So Ronaldo um, was playing a pickup basketball game. He's an audio tech at Idol playing a pickup basketball game with a guy 
uh, over at, at Full Sail. The guy at Full Sail, he was playing a pickup basketball game with happened to be a producer for WWE. <laughs> and he said, hey, man, we're going to be starting this live hosting stuff. We want to we, we're looking for more of like hosts, not just announcers. Do you know anybody? We're going to start this program pretty soon. He goes, oh, yeah, my buddy Greg, that's what he does. He goes, well, have him send me his stuff. So his name was Johnny Greco. Um, sent Johnny Greco my demo reel. He liked it. He sent me back some stuff that he wanted me to put on camera, like different announcements, which I, I would cringe to watch those now. Do you remember what they were? Uh, one was like a Hell in a Cell promo. So it, it wasn't an announcement necessarily, but more like an on-cam, like Hell in a Cell. It's where anything could happen. It's hell, and it's in a cell. <laughs> All this, And I'm just trying my best, right? I'm just doing my damnedest. Um, were you watching wrestling at the time? No. I wasn't even watching at that time. So uh, I submitted it, and apparently he liked it because he brought me and two other guys into the WWE Performance Center, which was for a live audition new at the time. Too. It was. Yeah. It, it had just opened. I want to say within a couple of years before that, yeah. uh, he brought me and two other people in for a live audition over two days, and um, it was nerve wracking. So the one first day was a full, full, full day. Second day was a half day of auditioning, and then we went to watch NXT. Nice. So we went to watch a little bit of NXT, and I was. Um, I was just spent. I was exhausted after this two days because I really wanted this gig. Idol was over. You know how hard it is to get a job in this industry, man. Yeah. And here I've got this one shot. After this, who yeah. knows where the next chance is going to come it's from. It's funny uh, that you say that because when you have a job, it's so much easier to just kind of jump from lily pad to lily pad, jump from yes. job to job to job. Yes. When that job is taken away from you, then you're like all of a sudden going, what, what, what do I do now? Yeah. When, when am I going to work again? Is it going to be a week from now, a month from now? Six, Six months, months from now. Yeah. Yes. You feel dead in the water, man. Wow. And that's where I was. And so I go into the audition. Like I said, it was you know stressful. I'm driving back home and I'm almost home. And um, I got you know, Johnny Greco calls me. He goes, hey, man, is there any chance you could run back to full sale real quick? And I'm like, sure. And it, to this day, he says to me, he goes, I, he goes, I didn't know what you were going to do. So I drive back and they're like, congratulations, you're hired. Just like that? On the spot. Wow. I, did, I wasn't expecting that. So, and Johnny, he, he told me this later. He goes, man, he goes, I didn't think you were going to take the gig. We were nervous when you were coming back because your response on the phone was, didn't sound good. <laughs> I'm like, no, I was just exhausted. I was just yeah. really, you know, a long two days. And so um, that's it, man. They hired me right then and there. And I started in, in January of 2015. Is that true? 16, <laughs> 15? I don't know. <laughs> you tell me. I think it was 2015. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. You've been there over five years. Oh, my gosh. January of 2015. That's when I started. When you went to that NXT show, first of all, who was the ring announcer when you were there? I believe it was JoJo at the time. Okay. She was doing NXT. And, you know, you probably hadn't been to a live wrestling show in a little while. Did True. the energy of it just, like, just hit you and go, oh, my God. Like, I know what it's, I know what it's like when you're a host. You want to be in the middle of that. Yeah. I loved it. I was captivated right away in the moment. Uh, and it was even, it was when, if you guys remember this, it was when, um, was it a takeover? Because Kevin Owens came out to congratulate Sami Zayn and then powerbombed yeah. him into the apron. It was yeah. that show. Oh, wow. And I'm like, this is awesome. And then I, you know, because uh, people around me are helping me with the storylines and I was hooked, man. I was so hooked. So you get the job on the spot. Then when do you start? Um, that was in dis early December and I ended up starting like it's a January. So just a month later I had started. And when did like, when was the first time, like when you started, was that you being in front of crowds and doing it? 
Yeah, so they started me off um, doing the Florida shows because what we did was we created something that hadn't been done before. If you go to the Florida shows now, they're, uh, the Coconut Loops, you know, there's a there's a host that comes out and interacts with the crowd before the show and yeah. does giveaways. And I started that. I created that. Yeah. Um, they wanted me to come up with this concept with more fan interaction. And we started it on the local level, uh, NXT Florida. So I started that. And what's funny too is I went from, you know, doing – television to american idol and uh even i did oh by the way i did a gac great american country i filled in on the uh, gac daily countdown in that's nashville cool. occasionally i would fly back and forth from orlando awesome. so i'd done all this stuff this tv this national tv stuff this local tv stuff this live stage stuff and then i'm in an armory in jacksonville mm-hmm. and i'm and i'm like what have i done with my life choices right now yeah because not coming from that world i didn't know much about it yeah but but then you, eventually you get on tv well, not only that, I ended up. I love. I still keep in contact with a lot of the fans from NXT Florida. That's great. I loved it, man. The same fans at every show. Yeah, yeah. And I became so close to those people that I ended up loving it. Um, and I kind of, when they said, "Hey, we're going to send you up to the main roster," I, I kind of missed them. Yeah. But it was a great opportunity. But you know, even though you weren't watching wrestling at the time, you watched wrestling growing up. Like you were a wrestling fan. Absolutely. Up. So it's like it came full circle here for you. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. It really did. Uh, I, I would. Uh, at my dad's house, when I was at my dad's, I would like on like Saturday mornings run downstairs to try to beat my stepbrother to the television so I could turn on uh, wrestling. And um, 1993 was at King of the Ring at the Nutter Center in Dayton, Ohio. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, as a kid, man, I was all in. So you're right. It's this full circle thing now that is just really cool. So you get hired. At what point do they go, you can't use this name. You're going to have to come up with another name. It's Funny Greg Hamilton's not your name. No, no, it's not. It's Greg Hudson with a T, H-U-T. I won't forget this either because, as you know, you're, you're Chris Van Vliet. That that's your brand, bro. Like that's yeah, that's but your brand. It's not a great name. Like people are like Chris Van Vliet, Chris Van Vliet. <laughs> yeah, I get that all the time. I didn't think about that. Thank Van you for Vliet. pronouncing it correctly, Van Vliet. But that's your brand, right? It is now, I guess. Yeah. So I was trying to build something towards my own brand as Greg Hudson. Sure. So uh, Johnny Greco calls me. He goes, "Hey, by the way, we need you to come up with like you know a list of maybe ten names that you would want to use." I'm like, "What?" Do you- well, what's wrong with Greg Hudson? Yeah. He goes, no, 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 no. It, you know, it's proprietary stuff. You need to have a new last name. Uh, and I was like, I was kind of upset at first. I'm like, but I'm trying to build this brand. And what, what do you, what and do you, you had built this brand? Yeah, it started to. And then, yeah. and then I felt like I was like starting from, from, from zero after yeah, that. Definitely. So I, so once I, you know, calmed down and figured out what he was talking about, uh, it was really, really easy for me. Greg Hamilton was a no brainer. Uh, my hometown is Hamilton, Ohio. Right. And it just it just sounded great. It just sounded perfect. And I wanted to give sort of a nod to, to Hamilton, Ohio, uh, where I grew up yeah. and just uh, it was a wonderful place. Still is. Well, your initials get to stay the same, too. Yes. Yeah, that's true. So did you have nine other possibilities on that list? I think I, I did. <laughs> I don't even remember what they were. Was I, it always going to be Greg something? Yes. Okay. Yes, it was definitely going to be Greg something. You didn't have to pick a different first name. No. Okay. No, stuck with Greg. Um what were some of the other ones? I know on the there? WWE likes first name, first name. Like you know what I like like Mike Rome, or I'm trying to think of some other great examples where you have your last name is also a first name first name. Oh, okay. So yeah. Hamilton could be a first name. Absolutely. Could could be, could I guess. be yeah. No, I, I think so. So do you remember what else was on that list? Oh man. I I can't remember, but I remember I mean some of them were just off the wall. Some of them were just like <laughs> super weird, bougie last names that uh Bougie. Some yeah. were bougie, some were just strange. 
uh, I don't like Greg Valmont or something like that. Like, you know okay, what I mean? Yeah. Stuff like that. I, I, um, but I, but Hamilton was the first one on the list and the one I really, really wanted. And then you, you send this list into them and then you like patiently waited for them to be like, okay, you got it. And that's it. Oh, no way. That's it. They, they ran it through legal to check different things and then also uh, by some of upper management to see what they thought of the names that I picked. Yeah. And I'm like crossing my fingers. She's like, man, Hamilton is what I want. I really want yeah. Hamilton. It means something to me. Uh, and then, yeah, they were like, I just got an email saying, hey, we're going with Greg Hamilton. It's funny, though, because that was a very famous baseball player, very famous Canadian baseball player. That's what I keep. So sometimes I've seen on Google you, that. So it's so funny. When you Google your name, it's the weirdest thing because in the little Google info bar on the right there, yeah. it's a picture of you, but it says Canadian baseball player, 54 years old. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm glad you brought that up because I have seen that before. I've seen a baseball player with the name Greg Hamilton, but now, okay, it makes total sense now. Yeah. So your Wiki- you don't have a Wikipedia, right? I don't think so. So I, I haven't done one. I don't know. Well, this needs to happen now, everybody. Especially since you know all the information from this interview. Yeah, true. Yeah, just just I, cite type this. it out. Yeah. Type it out. Yeah. So his Wikipedia ha- is obviously tied into your name, obviously having the branding with WWE, and they've <laughs> merged this together. He's a Canadian baseball player turned ring yeah. announcer for WWE. Yeah, and somehow he's gotten younger. It's amazing. <laughs> so that, Benjamin Button. So I I think that means you're the more famous Greg Hamilton, but because he has the Wikipedia page. The info's like yeah. mingled in here together. It, it, that's uh, okay. We need to get you my own Wikipedia. Yeah, that, that needs to happen. All right. I don't know how that yeah. works, but I'll do it. But someone watching this is going to make you one. That's, that's what's going to happen. Please here. do. Yeah. And it can get tied into your YouTube channel, WWE Eats, which again, this is the set for. I'm going to leave a yeah. link below so people can subscribe. That would be great. Yeah. So um, the link yeah. will be down below. Greg Hamilton's WWE Eats. Yes. And if you haven't seen this, the food that he makes on there, the food that you make on there is... Ah, thanks, man. Woo. It's a passion and a lot of editing. But it, but it's mostly the fact that you know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, yeah when, I, when I go in the kitchen and like the toast comes out of the toaster and it like looks nice and brown, I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> good job, CVV. You're actually making like restaurant quality meals. Uh, I try to. Uh, I... I I got the, I got more of that bug as far as when I once I started to learn technique as well. Uh, so it was one thing growing up with my dad, you know, and, and him working for for a food dis- distribution company, but also a friend of mine, Joseph Feldman, was uh, or is a chef. I met him when I lived in L.A. and he taught me some technique. And this is what happens when you start to cook something and and you you realize, okay, I want to learn how to make this dish. Once you surprise yourself with a dish, you're hooked. Like the first time I made like a um, a, a lamb ragu. Over uh, like tagliatelle with like a red wine reduc- reduction. <laughs> Once I made my first lamb wow. ragu, of course, yeah. And I tasted it, and Whenever I'm like, I can't believe that that's when you know. That's you know. <laughs> and then you're like, was it was it the I can do this? Yes. Yeah. Using utilizing these chef techniques ah. because it's pretty daunting. Of course, right? it like is. if you're watching a chef in a kitchen, you see what they're doing back there. Like, I don't stand a chance. Yeah. So once you break it down and, and uh, a chef teaches you a little technique or you take a cooking class and then you realize you're able to create the dishes that you watch them make in, the, in their kitchen, you, it, you get the bug. And I've had it ever since. Man. But I, I think that a lot of people find it a daunting task because so much can go wrong. 
Like, oh, yeah, for like, sure. It can be going so well until the last ingredient or two, or you keep it in the oven for too long, or whatever it happens to be. And all your hard work, all your preparation is now out the window. Yeah, that's, that's happened to me many a time. Um, pork belly was tough for me. Pork of belly is be very tough. difficult to yeah. make. Uh, it, because it, it's, it doesn't have a lot of flavor on its own. You want to impart flavor in it, but you also want to get that skin crispy, but keep the meat tender. You don't want to dry that, dry out the meat. So pork belly is quite the process. That one took me a long time, but I went through everything you're talking about when I tried to make it. I love how much you love food. And it's so obvious when you watch your YouTube channel. <laughs> Thank you, man. That you're not just like some dude cooking some stuff. You're like, this goes with this because of this, and you want to put this on first because of yeah, yeah. Congrats, thank you, man. I, everybody had their passions, and that that one's mine. But I feel like there's also like you could, there's a relation here between the cook in the kitchen and learning from that, and what you do in the ring as a ring announcer because a little bit of this goes a long way sometimes. Or maybe I'll pull back a little bit on this. That's that's really good. I like what you did there. I just came up with that right now. But it's true. But it's you're totally not wrong true. though. I just, yeah. I never thought of it that way. If you, with that said, if you look back to your first set of announcing, your first few months of announcing in 2015, what's changed and how much has it changed since then? Wow. Um, for one, I, I think I have a lot more confidence now than I did then for sure. Uh, and a lot of what you're talking about too is learning to pepper in certain things and this goes a long way, but then you don't need to extend this phrasing that long, but this one you want to. Um, so the big change for me had been confidence for sure. Learning how to keep projecting without shouting yeah. is another one. And then also I think what's become very important to me is trying to give each superstar their own unique announcement mm. because it, but doing so by imparting their character, if that makes sense. So when I announce certain people, I announce them a certain way. It's because I feel like that tone goes with their character. Yeah. Does that make sense? Of course it does. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Like when you epically say The Undertaker, it feels like it fits with that entrance. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, there's a certain level you got to get to with Undertaker. Yeah. With, with that. Um, so, but I try to do that with a lot of the superstars and give them their own vibe. My chat with Greg will continue in just a second, but I want to thank our sponsor for this episode, betonline.ag, and there's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, BetOnline. NASCAR is back, and BetOnline has hundreds of other games, events, and sports that you can get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24-7, or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge. It's a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament that you can enter for free. And live right now on BetOnline's YouTube channel, you'll find an exclusive interview with ex-Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance. Visit betonline.ag and use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, it's your online wagering solution. I think you're most well-known for the Shinsuke intro. <laughs> yes. How did that evolve into what it became? Um, I will, this is the, this is the truth. Pure luck. <laughs> Absolutely pure luck. Um, takeover Dallas, go back to NXT takeover Dallas. First time I ever met the guy. First time I ever announced him. Um, 
and his music hits the crowd goes crazy it's the first time they're hearing his, his music he's coming out doing all this and doing you know the octopus and everything and it's just uh, looking at the screen looking at his tron and his name like that's just how it came out mm. so if well, you, you hadn't go, practiced it not once not a single time i just needed to make sure i knew how to pronounce it wow so i didn't say shinsuke <laughs> so i got that part but i waited till i got in the ring and then when his music hit and he comes out like it was just organic and then now I even I prolong it even further. And what I mean by that is in, the, in that video on Takeover Dallas, I did I think Shinsuke Nakamura. Now I I put a lot more energy and power into it. Yeah, yeah. But that inflection is the same. And for some reason, man, there's a video on YouTube of me just saying that for like a minute and a half straight. Yeah, it's I, crazy. I actually watched it before I came over <laughs> here <laughs> because you announce it differently. Rightfully so, when he's walking down the ramp versus when he's won a match. Yes. And they've actually mixed the both in during this video. They have, yeah. But but yeah, so the entrance is is one inflection and then there's more just powerful, forceful name for the winner. Now, after you announced him for the first time and you saw him backstage after the show, did he go, oh, I really liked what you did there. I've never heard my name said like that. Um, Not that particular show. You just kind of kept doing it. Yeah, I just yeah. kept doing it because I got a lot of good feedback after Takeover Dallas. I didn't even realize I did it. <laughs> I go back and I watch it. I'm like, well, I guess I kind of did do well, that. It's one of 20 or 30 names you said that night. For sure. Yeah. But the fact that people picked up on it and liked it, I'm like, well, I'm going to run with this. Yeah. I just kept doing it. And then um, what's funny, so he and I, as you probably know, are really good friends now. Yeah. Would you say he's your best friend in WWE? I mean, yeah, probably he's up there. Yeah, yeah. for sure. He, he and I have a great time traveling together when, when we were on the road and everything. But I think when I when I eventually when I knew that he liked it, he's kind of a quiet person for the most part until you get to know him. I think one time in like the hallway, I just passed him and he goes, Shinsuke. <laughs> so when he did that, I'm like, oh, I just got a stamp of, of approval. Okay, that's cool. Great. That's awesome. Yeah. Have you ever had a superstar go, maybe try this with my name instead? Oh man, not off the top. Okay, that's good. That's a good that's a, what a compliment. It is, well, th- that's true, but but I also um I'm also very cognizant of going up and asking people. Like okay. if somebody, I'm announcing somebody for the first time, I'm like, hey, I was thinking about announcing you this way. What do you think of that? Yeah. Or or just trying it and checking in with them afterwards. Yeah. Um, but I haven't had anybody just come up and just straight bury me like, hey, man. Maybe you know, <laughs> that wouldn't be um, burying. No, I know. I, 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 the first time I ever announced Johnny Gargano, I, re- I announced him in Cleveland, Ohio. Hey, prime, hometown pr- boy. Right. Prime wrestling. This was way before he was even on WWE's radar. This is 2011. And I was practicing, and he actually goes to me, he goes, maybe up at the end, Gargano. Because I was going, Gargano. He's like, maybe, maybe. Give it a little up. more. Sweet. Yeah. Okay. And I'm like, oh. It's okay. those little subtle things, though, with announcing, isn't it? Isn't yeah. that crazy? It's like these little subtle, subtle changes that make a major difference. Yeah, yeah. And I'm by no means a professional ring announcer, but I've done it for a bunch of indie federations. But for him to have that, like, you should, you know, try this. I was like, Yes, and that will make it that much better, not just for me, not just for you, but for everybody. And I'm open to that. Like if somebody has suggestions like that, if one of the superstars comes up to me, I, I would welcome that. Yeah. Trust me. Well, when did the one fall become a thing? Because you became very well known for saying <laughs> that. Yeah, that was, I forgot about that. Yeah. So it, it's a big thing in, in Europe and in, in the UK in particular. It, it's a pretty big thing. And so I think I just picked up on it from there. We did, you know, NXT UK. And I, I did it during NXT UK uh, takeover, and it popped huge because those guys they love doing it in the UK. And yeah. I think the US picked up on it watching Takeover London. So then I come back to the states and I just start pausing here to see if people pick up on it. What well, slowly but surely 
people started to pick up on it and then to the point that everybody knew and then everybody would do it whenever I was announcing. Oh, but now everybody does it no matter who's announcing. <laughs> no matter right. what city, country, whatever. Yeah, you're in. yeah. Yeah, it's it's just a thing you do now. It is. It is. I mean, uh, live events, I especially still do it and people still respond. Um, we have to pick up the pace a little bit for TV now, so I don't do it for TV anymore to keep the keep the pacing quicker. Yeah. Um, but it, it's really cool and I love it. And it, it I like it because it like makes me feel connected to the fans a little bit too. Well, I mean, you get immediate instant feedback from that. Yeah. Do you prefer doing the announcements as they're walking down the ramp or the championship style in the ring intros? Ooh, that's a good question. Nobody's ever asked me that before. Um, there's pros and cons to both. I'll put okay. it that way. Not, not cons, actually. I like them. But how about this? I like them both for different reasons. Okay. I love doing the announcements as they're in, as they're coming in their entrance because you can really tie into the emotion of their music. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like you can, and there are certain certain theme songs too where you plug in their announcement just perfectly and it lands just perfectly right before a big drop of a beat or something like that. Right. Uh, Bobby Roode, for example, Robert Roode, his glorious. You know, you yeah. see. You know, weighing it at whatever, 250 pounds, the glorious Robert Rude, down, and the, the guitar hits. Yeah, yeah. So if you time it just right and slide it in there, this is like nerdy announcer stuff right now. Sorry. Oh, this, is, this is what makes you great, though. Um, so, so little things like that. I, I love that. Finding spots during the music that put that in, tying to the emotion of their song. Champion, championship intros, on the other hand, are great because it's laser focused. And especially, I can't wait till we get back here with a bunch of people in the arena. Yeah. But that energy. Yeah. And then when they know how you announce certain people and they say it with you, yeah, like you know the phenomenal AJ Styles, hearing an entire arena do that with you, man, yeah, it's it's unreal. So there's pros to both. But also, when you're doing the championship intro, you've got the crowd in the palm of your hand. Yes, absolutely. That that does feel good. Actually. Yeah, that does. Even if even if maybe it has to be quicker than you know it might have been before, you've got the crowd in the palm of your hand. You got them right there, man. Yeah. Uh, all, all eyes are on that moment. Yes. So you, so don't mess up when that moment comes. It, this might sound like a strange question, but there's a reason for it. Do you have any sort of singing background? I don't. But people ask me that all the time. They're like, man, you, you have such control of your voice when you're announcing. Yeah. You must be a phenomenal singer. I'm like, no. I, you probably are. Like, no. Karaoke night terrible. Hamilton terrible. is probably incredible. No, I, I'm, I'm like, I'm embarrassed to sing. This would actually terrible. be a great spot for karaoke. We could set up a little stage yeah, over in the corner by the bourbon. Over. Yeah, yeah, we could do that. I, and I say that particularly because of your best in the world announcement. It's very sing-songy. And I say that in the most complimentary way. Thank you. Uh, that, again, is a, is a great story on its own. <laughs> um, that was not the original plan for that whole best in the world thing. What do you mean? There, there, was, never, there was never this plan of, hey, we're going to have you just hold this note as long as possible. It was just announce him as best in the world. That was the original plan. Then uh, MetLife Stadium, WrestleMania, we're at rehearsals, and we're, we're you know we're rehearsing the intros, and uh, you know, Shane goes up the corner, best in the world, Shane McMahon. Well, Road Dog and Jeff Jarrett were helping with that segment, and they were right behind me. And and Road Dog goes, "Hey man," he goes. Let me just hear you. Just let one rip. Let me see what you can do, man. Come on, brother. Give me everything you got. I said, are you sure? He said, yeah. So we rehearsed again, and I just held this note. And I don't, I mean, it was like time stopped. 
And I just kept going. And this empty MetLife Stadium is empty because it's rehearsal. Yeah. And I just just echoing. And I just let it rip, man. And that thing must, I don't know how, probably the longest one I've ever done in that rehearsal. And I was done. And then Shane McMahon, and he he was was conducting, just having fun. Yeah. It wasn't planned. Yeah. And so we did it. And I stopped, turned around, and Roto goes, damn. Can you do that again tonight? <laughs> Thus, best in the world was born. Wow. So this was your thing, and then Mike started doing it when Shane would go when he would go to, to Raw. Raw. Yeah. So did Mike go? Right, well, how should I do this? You know. I, I, you know, it's weird. I I'll say this, man. I'm glad it was Rome. You know, and this is I don't know who else would be a ring announcer there, but I'm just saying I'm glad it was Rome because I know Rome has the voice to pull it off. Yeah. Now he is a trained singer, but imagine somebody who was just a ring announcer, not necessarily able to do that, and they were on Raw and he's calling for it, and they couldn't do it. That would be awful. Yeah. So thank God it's Rome over there. Yeah. Um, because it's it's difficult, and there have been times where I was. Point zero zero two three four five six eight seconds away. It's very specific. Yes, from just from going out, from losing it, and then he finally stopped you. Yeah. What do you do to warm up your vi- your voice? I know, like Lillian Garcia told me, oh, you got to sing from your diaphragm, you got to speak from your diaphragm. Yeah, project. Okay, great. So then I started. <laughs> it's going to sound so stupid. No. So I started watching videos on YouTube. Like, how am I going to speak from my diaphragm? Because sometimes we'll do hour, hour and a half long podcast. And like for the rest of the day, my voice is just so like hoarse. And I'm like, yeah. how do I do this so I don't ruin my voice? So I got to watch these videos and I'm learning how to like breathe into my diaphragm. Yeah. But I still don't know how to speak from my diaphragm. It, it, it's, it's one of those things that you have to turn into a habit. Like now I just naturally speak from here and I barely even use my voice itself. Like, unless I'm trying to add inflection, then I'll go up here mm. and I'll take the energy here. Yeah. For the most part, just all my energy when I speak comes from right here. How do I do this? It, it, it becomes habit. So you just have to keep practicing. So for a while, just intentionally speak from here. And, and then after a while, it'll, it'll just be natural for Don't you. Don't you feel like when you, speak from your, when you speak from your diaphragm, it gets a lot lower? Your voice gets a lot yeah, lower? Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I feel like, I, yeah, I don't know. But it saves your voice box, man. I'm yeah. telling you, because even like, you know how long WrestleManias are, right? Yeah. Those are tough. Have you had moments where that night your voice is cutting out, you know, middle of the show? Yes. Yeah. And there's one in particular where I, I really wasn't feeling well at all. Yeah. That, um, that factors into it for sure. So there was a time, one time I was, I was sick and I was having issues with my, my throat, but also my chest. I couldn't get air. It was like, I'd like felt like fluid in my lungs or something like, you know, mucus. And Shane's on the show. And so here comes the money hits. Yeah. He's coming down, gets in the ring, and I stand up. And I know for a fact I can't get this out. Oh, no. I start sweating. My palms are – I feel like I'm about to pass out because he's going to call for it. And I know for a fact there's no way I can do it. I know it. And I'm sweating. I'm sweating. And then I'm looking at him up there. I'm looking at him. He gets up. He forgot to call for it. Wow. On that particular day. So you just announced him straight up? Didn't announce him at all. Oh. He just started talking and cutting his promo. Wow, you got lucky. Luckiest day of my life. Because, wow. Chris, I'm telling you right now, 100% fact, I could not do it that day. 100%. You could have done it. No, brother. You're, you're a professional. Brother, it would have. I would have cut out and it would have – it probably would have like 
been a good heel moment for him because if I tried it and my voice was so shot, I couldn't do it. But it would have been really embarrassing. I was sweating. But Mike Rome has that one time where his voice kind of cracked because he was super sick. Yeah, yeah. And it's the one thing that people remember from People him. give him all kinds of, of, yeah. of, of grief about it. And I'm like, this is not easy. They don't remember the hundreds of times where it sounded perfect. Right. They remember the one time. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's the thing, too. That's another reason I was worried about not being able to do it. But, like, bro, he nails it every time. And, and he was legit sick that night. He texted me earlier in the day. He goes, bro, I don't know if I can do this tonight. Yeah. He was legit sick. And God, man, I don't know how he pulled off. Yeah, there was a little crack there, but he still pulled off the announcement. Yeah. So and that, that's hard. I'm just, I'm blown away by what you guys do without notes. Like the fact that you know everybody's weight and hometown and nickname. And if they're new now, immediately you know their info. Like how, how, how do you do this? I, it, it becomes second nature. At but this not point, at I could go down. No, it's tough at first. And, I think this is again. I'm going to get into super announcer nerd mode if that's okay. Please, that's um, what you're here for. When when you first start announcing people like a new roster or new talent, you're focused on getting the information right. Yes, you're focused on you know driving the car straight. Mm-hmm. Once you know that stuff secondhand, then you can start playing with the announcements. Right. Then you can start adding little tweaks, little little things that make it unique. Yeah. But for the first while, you're just trying to memorize this information. That's all it is. In the same way that when you see a new actor in a scene, you can just see their wheels turning that they're just trying to get through this line. They're just trying to, okay, you've said that, now I will say this. So yes. you're basically just like, am I saying their name and their hometown and their name correctly? Exactly. You're not even thinking about the power, the inflection, the something special to put your own spin on it at all. It's please let me get this information right. So that's where the confidence comes in. Once you, you know, once you feel confident in the names you're saying, then you can start to put some personality. In yes. Yes. Um, one of the most difficult times I've ever had with that was uh, the, the actually the best in the world tournament at, in, in Saudi. Remember that the big tournament yeah. that we had? Yeah. So, before that show during rehearsal, they had me listing each superstar's accolades. So introducing first from St. Louis, Missouri, weighing it at 250 pounds. He was a 14-time a world champion, a two-time da-da-da champion, oh, wow. this champion, this kind of champion, two-time Royal Rumble winner, blah, 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 Randy Orton. And so, you had to do that for everybody. Had to do it for everybody. And at first, I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'll be ringside. I'll just do it from ringside. And like, no, they want you in the ring for that. Oh. I'm like, so you want me to memorize... In the next hour and a half, all of these stats for eight individual superstars, oh gosh. and they sound the same, right? Because maybe two people are uh, two-time Royal Rumble winners or Grand Slam champions, whatever you want to call it. But yeah. that was one of the most difficult things I've ever had to do because you're in the ring. How'd you do it? Um, I got. I used my phone before. This is before we opened doors and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And in my phone, I opened the voice memos, and for each superstar, I read it off, but I did it sort of sing-songy. Yeah. And I just memorized a song for each superstar. Wow. So when I got in the ring, I knew what the Dolph Ziggler song was. That's I knew what unbelievable. the- And I had less than two hours to do it. Wow. I was really, really scared. This is why you're so good at your job. Nah, I was really lucky that night, man. No, no. Super, wow. super lucky. I was so nervous. With that said, if you had a moment that you look back on, you go, oh, I can't believe I said this, did this, like a, a, a real botch or mess. mess oh, up. man. Because I can't think of any. I, I, I can't either. I haven't completely hey. messed up. I haven't completely blown anything up. Good. I would definitely remember that. 
Um, yeah, Good. knock on wood. Okay, there we go. Not, but that's my biggest fear, to be honest with you. It really is. Like, that's one of my biggest fears because when you're ring announcing, sure, oh, yeah, he just says Waits hometowns and everything, but you get one shot at it yeah. and it's live yeah. and you can't redo it and you can't backtrack. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not like if you're, you know, I don't know, doing something. Oh, actually, what I meant to say was this instead. No, 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 no. Which it's, they can do on commentary. Sure, sure. That's that's a whole other skill in itself. Of course. Um, but I, I yeah, I, I get one shot at it, man. Yeah. Every single time. And yeah. So when you got this job, who did you start to look at for help? Who did you start to look at to be a mentor for you, or maybe just looked at like you know the the great ring announcers that have come before you? You know, I I didn't. I didn't really do that. I mean, I, I sought out advice from, you know, uh, Lillian and Jojo and, and Brandy, and I would ask them for advice, uh, but I also didn't want to sound like them. Yeah. But I also think it helped that, you know, uh, a female announcement and projection is different than a male. So, for sure, yeah. So it was, it was kind of worked out for me to develop my own style because I didn't, I didn't know who to mimic. I'd never ring announced anything in my life yeah. ever before this job. Yeah. So I just kind of made up my own style, man. That, like that's kind of what happened, and and it works so far. It's I'm still here. It it works great for you. But so I, back back to you knowing all the names and hometowns and everything. So if I just list off a superstar, you'll be able to tell me probably AJ Styles, uh, Gainesville, Georgia, two seventeen, the phenomenal AJ Styles, <laughs> Dolph Ziggler, uh, residing in Hollywood, Florida, also two hundred seventeen pounds, Dolph Ziggler, Otis, three hundred thirty pounds. Mr. Money in the Bank, Otis. What about some of the females? We can do those? Oh, sure. Carmella. Uh, Staten Island, Carmella. This is, a, this is amazing. No, I, I mean... What? Well, Triple H. Uh, Greenwich, Connecticut, 275 pounds. The game, Triple H. The Undertaker. Death Valley, The Undertaker. No, wait. Charlotte. From the Queen City. Charlotte Flair. That's one of another yeah, one that I made a, up that, along like the that. way from the Queen City. This, I'm having too much fun with this. I could go down the whole yeah, roster here. I mean, what about a tag team? Give me any tag team. Uh, tag team? Yeah. Well, uh, I like. I love it. 650 pounds. Otis and Tucker, heavy machinery. 650, man. It's a lot of weight. Are you kidding That's me? Why heavy machinery? Yeah. Um, 479 pounds. Jimmy and Jay, the Usos. Orlando, Florida, Naomi. We just get on the roster if you want. How do you announce Vince? Uh, please welcome the chairman of WWE, Mr. McMahon. This is very exciting. Have you? How about Steph? Uh, have you announced Steph? I have. It depends. It's either just Stephanie McMahon or or chief brand officer, depending on what the announcement, depending on what she's coming out to do. Oh, okay. Yeah. Have you ever thought of how you would announce your own name? No. Yeah. I, I, I would never get. I mean. No, I don't know. Really? I don't know how I would. Now you're thinking about it. I am. Like yeah. the wheels are turning yeah, up here. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll okay. have to think about that. You're and get back to you that one. Yeah. I, I like this. Yeah. I like this a lot. Not you. You got to get the Chris Van Vliet. I don't know. You'll have to do it for me. I will. I'll think because there's something special there. There's something where we can really. Yeah. Yeah. This is going to be good. Do you yeah. sit there on like an airplane and. Think about the names you're about to say. Play with them. <laughs> yes. yes. Yes, I do. Um, 
Yeah, when there are different, when there are superstars that I want to sort of announce in a, in a unique way, I, I do think about that stuff. I re- like, I really do. Or I'll sit in my car when I'm driving and I'll say it six, seven, eight ways and try to figure out what works. Like while Shinsuke's music's like playing in your car, like blaring in your car, you're like, Shinsuke! Yeah, well, the, yeah, so, okay, it's funny you mentioned that because after that first takeover Dallas, when I got all this feedback, yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm going to run with this. And yeah, I would sit there and practice how to do that inflection, how to hold it longer, what should I what should I do with Nakamura? And then I started stretching out the Nakamura. And people love that. So yeah, I do. I'm again more announcer nerd stuff. I'd sit, I do. No, I want as much announcer nerd stuff <laughs> as possible. Yeah, I well, I think about that because listen, man, there's a couple things. Um first and foremost for the superstars themselves. I want them to feel like I've put in time to give them something unique. Yeah. It's important to me. It's, it's, you know, their characters are what make them unique. So I want to be a part of that through their announcement. The other thing too is it's not lost on me how lucky I am to do what I do. And I, I, I'm sure you're the same. I was that kid that would run downstairs and watch wrestling. And I heard, I remember what Mean Gene sounded like. I remember what Howard Finkel sounded to this day. I'm an adult and I can still see in my mind's eye watching that on television. So, my God, someday if there's kids at home that watch years down the road, like what an opportunity to have possibly kids when they're adults say, man, when I was a kid, I remember listening to Greg Hamilton's announcements. Like that's for sure going to be, that's a, that like, I'm honored by that, man. Like I'm humbled by that. So yeah, I take it seriously because of that, because I was that kid in the same way that you looked up to Howard Finkel. Yeah. There's plenty of people that look up to what you do. Well, Time will tell, but I, I just I would love to create somewhat of a unique sound for myself so that kids today that are adults tomorrow do look back and say, "Man, I remember listening to Greg Hamilton announce." Like, what an honor that is, man! I'm just yeah. I'm just a kid from Hamilton, Ohio, and to have that be said about me someday, yeah. I want to do the best that I can. Yeah, you you posted a photo of you with uh, Howard Finkel. You know, when yeah. he passed away, and you know what a what a tremendous loss, not just for the wrestling business, but just as a person. Yeah. Can you share with us any any moments that you had with Howard? Yeah, yeah. Um, first of all, just and I would you know I would say I know we say a lot of things when people pass, but even alive, I'll tell you, even if you were alive, just one of the most genuinely sweet human beings I've ever met in my life. Um, never heard a negative word from anyone about him. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was really cool was he was so down to earth, and the guy had stories for days. So uh, each year we would do sort of this, what we call like an announcer summit where all of the hosts and announcers come down to Orlando with the performance center. Oh, cool. And we just get together and, and share best practices and things like that and run through exercises. Well, they sent Howard down to talk to us for one of them. He w- unbelievable. He knew everything about everybody. He knew even our new people like, oh, I, I, I've heard that you're doing NXT and I saw a video of you doing Wow. Yeah. And and then he would just share story after story of his own. So and he's just a student of the game. Student of the game and just completely humble. Completely humble guy. Wow. And he would just tell stories and he was so polite about it. We're we're sitting there like this, like a sponge. And he's like, you know, I've got one more story, if I may. If I may. <laughs> we're like, Howard, <laughs> tell us stories all night long. It's we don't like, please do. Are you kidding me? Wow. Um and the and the same thing when uh, I worked with him that picture. Uh, was at a Special Olympics during, I think, WrestleMania week. And just on the van ride back, man, just listening to him tell stories about 
you know, oh, yeah, the Hulkster one time. We were <laughs> just waxing poetic about, you know, hanging out with the Hulkster and this and that. What, just, a, just a great guy, man. I, I know it might be hard for you to pinpoint one specific moment. So I'm going to ask it in this way. Do you have a photograph that maybe encapsulates a moment from your WWE career that you look at and go, wow, that, that was something special? Yeah. Yeah. I think um, a photo from my first WrestleMania that- Which, which one was that? Uh, Orlando, nice. where I actually announced. Yeah. Uh, somebody took a picture um, from like the hard cam side and it's me just standing in the ring looking you know, like this. But- in this giant arena in Orlando, yeah. me standing by myself in the ring and somebody gets caught this At camping world stadium. Yeah. I was there. All right. Yeah. I, man. I might be in that photo. You could be. Yeah. Um, but it was a real, it was a candid moment. And when I watch, when I look at that photo, I should say, I can see myself. I remember that moment taking it in and mm-hmm. somebody captured that moment. Wow. And also Wale is standing up behind me with a beer, which is cool. <laughs> he's the one guy standing up. He's like walking to his seat. Everybody else sitting down. He's walking. He's got Wale right there. So that was cool. Has that been your favorite WrestleMania to announce? No. I mean, I think it has to be MetLife, that best in the world moment, man, because that that did something for my career that people finally knew who I was. I wasn't, you know, maybe that that's... Because for a while there was just, we want JoJo chance whenever I got in the ring. No. So, oh my God, yeah. What? Long time. Of course. Of course. Was we want JoJo chance. And what? I get it, man. I get it. No offense to you, but she is no, I get more it. attractive. Of course. Yeah. So You're I, a handsome man, though. I, but. I, I think, but that best in the world moment at that WrestleMania was when I really felt like I, I came into my own. I like, yeah. I, I, it, was, it was breaking out of the cocoon, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, then we saw what happened afterwards. We just ran with it. But I think it's also because there was a long stretch of time when we just heard you or we just heard any of the other ring announcers. In this instance, we got to not only hear you, but see you and see you in your element doing your thing. Yeah. Well, and, and, and become part of a storyline almost yes, because he, true. you know, he dragged me around by the tie and dog walked me for the next, you know, <laughs> six months, which I was fine with. Um, but the, yeah, that was a turning point for me in my career. Did you have a conversation with Shane, maybe a week in, a month in, and go, "This, this has been great." Like, yeah, oh, I, I thanked him, but, but he was just as equally grateful to me. And I'm like, bro, of course, are you kidding me? Um, and then I think it was after that WrestleMania. I think I even still have it. Um, I went back to my hotel, showered and stuff, and and then realized the next day I had a voicemail on my phone from Shane McMahon wow. saying, thank you, man. Awesome job. Wow. Like Shane, like real, Shane McMahon called my, phone. I'm, I was mad. I didn't pick up, but then I have this voicemail from Shane McMahon on my phone. Wow. Unbelievable, man. The thing I love about this story and the storyline is Shane will be the best in the world for the rest of his <laughs> career. <laughs> right. Potentially. Yeah. I mean, Triple H has been the game for 20 plus years. It's true. This could uh, be part of his legacy. Have you ever announced The Rock? No. So is, is he like top of the bucket list? As far as people that haven't announced yeah. yet, absolutely. You will. You will one day. Well, I sure hope he'll so. Come back. I think so. And th- I will say that um, the first episode of Fox uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, on SmackDown, he came out and I was like, had the mic. I was ready to go. I was ready to go. I, was, I, I couldn't wait. And you had it ready to go, Miami, Florida. What, what do we wait? Two seventy. Well, he was just cutting a promo, so oh. just but but still just to introduce him. And then they were like, "Oh no, no, no announcement!" Because the place oh. was going crazy already. They didn't need the announcement. But I was like sitting there, like this, like, ready to announce the Rock. So he's at the top of the list. 
Who else? Yeah, is on the people list that I people? have that I haven't announced. Yeah, I mean, I mean, The Rock. Yeah, The Rock's up there. Just and I only say that with you know because I have announced Taker. So no disrespect or anything like that. People yeah. I have not announced. Yeah, yeah. Um, is there anyone else on that list? Have you announced Hogan? Yeah, that yeah. was awesome. As a your inner child, when you get to announce Hulk Hogan at a real show, like I I should have been paying them that day. <laughs> That's what should have happened. Um, yeah, The Rock. I mean. I've been, oh man, yeah, I've announced Ric Flair. Yeah. So it's it's not that I'm trying to think of, I, I guess I'm, I feel so lucky to have announced Hogan, Taker, Flair. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of people that I haven't. I mean, I, so far, it's just rock that I can come up with. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's, it's and I guess surreal. actually with the video game, you've probably announced. Oh, well, then I've announced everybody. Yeah. Do you love, when you record for the video game, do you just go into a studio for a day and just say all the names on the list? Oh, no, this was probably a four to six month process. What? Yeah. Well, because I hadn't, this is my first time at the video game, so they don't have any uh, audio of me from before that this is the first ever recording, right? So I have to announce every single title, every single human being for the ring, uh, every single city, every single possible weight. You you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Because there are so many titles in that video game. There are so many, uh, there are so many promotions in that video game. I had to do every single one from scratch because I hadn't done it before. Wow. So I would fly out to San Francisco uh, once or twice a month to 2K games and we would record uh, two two days each time and it took about four to six months. Wow. I remember when you posted a video, I think of the most recent video game with your announcement. I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds cool. I mean, that must be so cool for you to be in a video game. It, yeah, it's bucket list. It's a, it's absolute bucket list. Um, hopefully, I get to keep doing them. But even if I don't, this was this was bucket list. Of course, you I, get to keep doing it. I'll give you a little insight, though. I'll give you like a little Please. little secret. Okay. Um. So it is when you you've done voiceover before. You go in. You get you you're in a booth. Yep. Get put the earphones on. on. Yeah. You're there's a producer on the other side of the glass. Yes, and I've got a monitor there of the names that I have to say and, and okay. everything. But, um, I really wanted to capture that passion. As just like we do on television, so I had them pump crowd noise into my ear. Oh, I love this! Yeah, so that so in my ears, constant crowd noise going nuts. Oh, that's great! For, for every, so the entire time I had them do that. Oh, I like that. Just, just otherwise it could sound kind of flat. Yeah, yeah, and even you know we were doing shows from the performance center with no fans. It's hard to get keep that energy. There's a there is a visceral energy with people and fans in the building that yeah. cannot be replicated. Yeah. So that was a huge help to have that in my ear mm. uh, during the video game. That was really cool. If there's someone watching this that wants to follow in the path that you're on being in the WWE, yeah. what kind of advice do you have for them? Well, first and foremost, be, be adaptable. Um, be willing, ready and willing to do anything. Uh We'll get actually first. Let's let's talk skill set. I would take improv classes first and foremost because you never know what's going to happen. What well, they're going to need okay. you to fill well, time. That's interesting. Improv classes number one, absolutely. Mm. Uh, learn to project. Learn to use your diaphragm. Otherwise, you're going to burn your throat out. Yeah. Um, but then, as you're going along, if you're saying, "Hey, I want to become a host or I want to become an announcer," there's no. This is this is one industry, man. I can you you can attest to this. There's no substitute for for. Stage time and yeah. practice. Yes. There's nothing in a book you can read that is going to give you the experience that being on stage does. Yeah. You just so log those hours, volunteer to host things at your local community, at your, at your church, at your school, find events around town that you can host because you need to log those hours. Yeah. 
And then from there, if and when you do get your foot in the door, be ready and willing to do anything. When I first started at the Performance Center, when I first got hired, like I said, I was doing the NXT Florida shows. I was also helping carry stuff in from the car when they would come back from Costco with water, with toilet paper, with paper towels. I'm, I'll, I'll get it. I'll get it around to the car, to the van, bring everything in. Wow. Uh, I would sweep around the ring when they were in between uh, practice sessions out there. Um, I would sit in skull sessions just to learn from the coaches and learn the business and learn the industry. Um, so learn every facet. And that's just not just this business, anything. Even if, you know, for somebody, again, you could attest to this being on camera, it's important to know what your producers do. Oh, my God. It's important yeah. to know uh, what the editors do. Yeah. It's important. And you'll gain a lot more respect from people when they see that you're taking an interest and in not just your job. Like, hey, my job is just to read the teleprompter. Yeah. I don't care what you do. But I think that, unfortunately, people think that television hosts just come in, read the script, and then leave. Right. And in my first, not the case. In my first job in Peterborough, Ontario, Canada, Bobby Roode's hometown, by the Ooh, way. Oh, all right. Yeah, I was on Czechs TV there. I was everything. You're the one-man band. So I shot yeah. my stories. I edited my stories. I wrote my stories. I produced my stories, and then I got to be on camera for 10 seconds, you know, to front my story. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much that goes into it. So uh, that that's my advice is just have that respect for all facets of the business, be it this or something else that you're in, and, and learn everything that you can. This has been great. I really enjoyed this. Thanks, man. Wow, I, thank I've you. never done a long-form interview like this. You're my first ever wow. long interview. Well. Thank you for trusting me with this. Of course. Thank you for inviting me into your beautiful loft here. <laughs> and you know, while I still have you here, um, Ray Mysterio, what's, uh, what's, what's his info? San Diego, California, 180 pounds. All right, Baron Corbin? Uh, well, he's no longer, it was Kansas City, 285. Now it's just 285 pounds, King Corbin. Mm. How about Asuka? Asuka uh, Osaka, Japan, the Raw Women's Champion, now Asuka. You guys in the comments are going to be like, well, how come you didn't do this one? How come you didn't do that one? Of course they will. Well, there's, a, I mean, there's so many. Yeah. Well, yeah. Maybe, maybe to wrap things up, can you give us a, can you give us a Shinsuke? Okay. The artist known as Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm like worried my neighbors are going to be like, what's this guy doing over there? He's but. doing his job. <laughs> Thank you so much. Brother. Anytime. Thank Appreciate you. It. Appreciate it. How great is Greg Hamilton? Maybe we should change his name to Great Hamilton. <laughs> what a guy. What a conversation. Thank you for hanging out with us in his beautiful downtown loft together. And thank you for listening to the entire episode all the way until the end. Please take a screenshot. Tag me at Chris Van Vliet. Tag Greg. He's at Greg Hamilton WWE. Like I said at the start of the show, I'm hoping these tags are going to make him want to post more on social media because he does such cool stuff and he cooks such amazing stuff. He has that new Traeger grill on his, on his uh, balcony of his loft. I want, I want him to share it all. So hopefully you guys taking a screenshot and tagging him will encourage him to post some more stuff on there. Yeah. Yeah, Greg, I'm talking to you, buddy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Also make sure you check out his YouTube channel that we talked about. Greg Hamilton's WWE. It's that easy to find. And I love how he's really come into his own with some of his trademark introductions. I mean, how can you say Shinsuke or AJ without saying it like Greg? Also, let's get him that Wikipedia page. It's ridiculous that his information, even though he has the same name, Greg Hamilton, as the baseball player, it's ridiculous that his info is being merged together like that. So I'm sure somebody listening to this right now knows how to 
create a Wikipedia page or code a Wikipedia page. So I'm counting on you. I'll be looking for this in the next month or so. I know it takes like a month or so to get a Wikipedia page approved. So I'll be looking for this in the next month. Then I'm going to look into like the history. I know there's an edit history on Wikipedia. I'm going to find out exactly who created his page. And then I'm going to shout you out. And we'll just give a big thank you for making this happen. Um, (laughs) I love Greg's story of hard work and perseverance. I mean, he picks up his entire life and moves to San Antonio. Boom, like that. That's the kind of stuff. That's the kind of attitude that makes you successful. Thomas Edison famously said, if we did all the things we are capable of, we would literally astound ourselves. Mm. Next week on the show, we've got a fascinating chat with Spike Dudley. And I'm also looking to take a page out of Chris Jericho's book. I'm going to start doing some celebrity interviews peppered in here just, just every once in a while. Like maybe every month or so. So wrestling interviews still every single week, but maybe a celebrity interview in addition, like once a month. How would you feel about that? Is that okay with you? I mean, I've done a lot of celebrity interviews over my career, but how cool would it be to have like an hour long interview with some of your favorite celebrities? Let me know. All right. Have a great week. We will see you next week with Spike Dudley.